As we're all painfully aware, the world has been thrown upside down by the effects of COVID-19. And with states enacting various stay-at-home orders, many businesses are having to strengthen their digital engagements to reach their target audiences. It's been a challenge for some, but we want to share a few best practices that can help carry you confidently into the future. I think it's important to preface that these best practices assume that you have done the research to determine the best offer and messaging that will resonate with your audience, but now you need to know how to get to the right inbox. Joining me virtually as we're still practicing social distancing over here, I'm lucky enough to have several guests. First up, I'm excited to welcome back Jeff Bickle, who you may remember from the Measuring Success in an Omnichannel World episode that went live last summer, and later on we'll be joined by Mark King and Bob Smolik of Conversion Alliance and Tribune Publishing. I'll formally introduce them in a bit, but first I want to chat with Jeff. If you didn't hear the measurement episode of the podcast, Jeff is the SVP in charge of Claritas' customer success group, meaning that his team ensures our customer communications are strong and satisfaction is high. So Jeff, welcome back to the Why Behind the Buy. Thanks, Monique. It's great to be here again. Happy to have you. So today we're talking about email execution, but like I said, that's such a broad topic. Uh, According to Statista, in 2019 alone, nearly 3 billion emails were sent and received each day, and that figure is expected to increase to nearly 3.5 billion in 2022. So, Jeff, doesn't everyone know how to use email to market themselves? Why would it be important for us to focus a whole episode on this topic? Well, Monique, really, it's because of those stats that you just mentioned. While those estimated 3 billion emails range from personal to professional, um, everywhere in between, there's a lot of noise and a lot of clutter to break through. True. So if you want really outstanding ROI, given all the noise competing with you, you need data-driven intelligence to get you there. And that means tying together consumers' online, offline behaviors, their characteristics, demographics, interests, media consumption preferences, and technology information. In other words, an identity graph, Mm. which is a critical tool in determining who to target and with what message. Um, For Claritas, for example, this is a real focal point, and we're able to tie 5 billion data points across 100% of U.S. consumer households. That enables a high-definition portrait of each customer and prospect, who they are, what devices they use, how they engage. So if you're a small business listening to this episode, or maybe even a mid-size or larger business, you, you might be thinking, well, 
I just send my entire CRM or my entire prospect list the same message through email, and I use a free or an inexpensive platform to get my message out there. Do I really need to care about identity graphs and targeting just a subsect of my customer base? If they're already a customer, won't they be interested in everything I have to promote? I am sad to say that is wishful thinking. <laughs> um, we, we built Claritas on a foundation of segmentation for one simple reason. It works. Mm -hmm. um, data from the Direct Marketing Association points to seven times greater revenue from segmented emails compared to a one-size-fits-all approach. Wow. We, we've had clients move to tailored email campaigns based on our segmentation and see a 200% increase in leads. I can't say it enough. It's about getting to the right inbox. We're focusing on email for the conversation today, but this can enable effective multi-channel campaign execution. So you can hit your ideal audiences with email and across other channels that they engage with when the time is right. And we actually have case studies to prove that, especially that scenario, you talked about the 200% increase in leads. So uh, that's a good point about email being part of a larger conversation on multi-channel campaign execution, though. You and I actually talked about that some in our last podcast together, and the episode that came out after that was all about identity graphs. So for those of you listening at home on the go, uh, I definitely encourage you to check out both of those episodes if you want a little bit of a more in-depth conversation on those topics. That's all basically part of a closed loop solution. Okay, so Jeff, you've educated us on what exactly email execution is and why it's more than just sending out that email, sitting back and waiting for those orders or those leads to roll in. But can you talk a little bit more about the monitoring and like fine tuning of a campaign? What if a brand or a company sends an email and they see a great open rate, but the click-throughs just aren't as high as they hoped for? What would be the next best step for them to try to convert someone into a paying customer? Yeah, and if, you've, if you're seeing high open rates, that's an indication of a, of a, a good audience. You're reaching mm -hmm. the right people, but for some reason, the message isn't resonating. And that's an opportunity for retargeting. So okay. knowing who's opened, who hasn't opened, and sending a reinforcing message, especially to those that didn't open, but you can even go back to those that did um, and engage with them further as well. Just that idea of understanding who is seeing the message and who's reacting in the, the right way or maybe not the way you want and continuing to message to them, that's a critical piece too. Right. Very true. One of the other things, and I, I touched on this a little bit when we said there about open rates, when you're looking at metrics coming in, that and understanding the open rate is really related to the idea of audience, you know, getting the right audience around your campaign. And that's something that over time, as you work with a client, you see which audiences are responding. And using our capabilities, we can help shape the audience to really optimize the open rate and you know, subsequently the click through and the activity that leads to increased revenue for the client. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, very true. You you have to constantly work to be top of mind, but there is a balance. No one wants to see 30 emails from the same clothing retailer <laughs> in a week. <laughs> but if you're only seeing one every few months versus another retailer that you're seeing emails from on a weekly or more consistent basis, you're probably going to go to bed thinking about the company who's keeping up with you regularly. Okay, so I want to bring in our guests in a second, but what's the best way to keep on top of campaign performance? You want to make sure that all of this hard work is paying off. So should brands just wait and see if they hit their goals at the end of the quarter, or is there a better way? And I hope that there's a better way than doing that. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a better way. Okay. If you're waiting until the end of the quarter, it can be too late. Uh, it can be too late to take, you know, to make changes or to bring a campaign that might be going slightly off the rails back in the line or to reinforce something that's really working well. So we like to take campaigns and split them up into multiple deployments and think about not just a you know, one-time blast to all people, but a, usually a, a three times frequency in our email campaigns and okay. report at each of those deployments so that you can see what's working, what's not working, and oftentimes we'll do A-B split testing. We'll test different subject lines in that first deployment. And from that quick time reporting on the first deployment, we improve deployments two and three. So having that kind of detailed reporting in a timely manner is really important to making sure that you are indeed getting the right message to the right people. Yeah, I think I've counted probably about five best practices that you've mentioned to help with successful email execution. But let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we'll talk to Mark and Bob of Conversion Alliance and Tribune Publishing, who've actually run more than about 20 email campaigns in the past six months with Claritas. So we can hear what's important from their perspective and what's worked for them and their clients. Is your marketing investment really paying off? In the new white paper from Claritas, The Smart Marketer's Guide to Optimizing Campaign ROI, we provide detailed insights into best practices that allow marketers to more accurately analyze the effectiveness of their multi-channel marketing campaigns. Download it for free by visiting www.claritas.com slash optimize ROI. That's www, the number two, .claritas.com backslash optimize ROI. We're back from our commercial break and we're joined by Mark King and Bob Smolik of Conversion Alliance and Tribune Publishing. Conversion Alliance delivers strategic marketing based on actionable data-driven insights and have generated hundreds of thousands of quality leads, converted thousands of new customers, and driven millions of dollars in revenue for their clients, meaning they know marketing. Tribune Publishing is a media company rooted in award-winning journalism and headquartered in Chicago. They create and distribute content across their media portfolio, offering integrated marketing, media, and business services to consumers and advertisers, including digital solutions and advertising opportunities. Mark and Bob, I hope I've done your organizations justice, and thank you so much for joining Jeff and I on the Why Behind the Buy. Of course, yes, you've done it. Done it great justice. How we both both of our groups work together, and glad to be here today. Awesome. Well, we usually like to start off with our guests telling us a little bit about themselves and the role they play in their company. So, Mark, maybe I can start with you. What's your day-to-day -day like in your role? 
my, in my role, we are obsessed with analyzing data that does what you said earlier, which is to actually cause conversion to a sale. And so what does that mean to me? We are spending most of our time deep in customer data and providing actionable results from that data. Cool. And Bob, how about you over at Tribune? What's your day-to-day like? Sure. So my day-to-day is working with some of our internal agencies and groups, just like Conversion Alliance with Mark, but also with my team, our relationships with our internal sales organization, as well with our clients is all about as well, identifying trends and what's happening within different categories of business. So we obviously have core categories that we are really obsessed with as a publishing group because they are such an anchor to our readers as well as our, our to our communities. But my group is also really largely tasked with identifying what some of those category trends are. How are consumers changing and adapting, leveraging data in terms of how they're making their decisions as well, how they're shopping, how they're buying. And then we're really charged with how do those insights turn into relevant, actionable items that our advertisers and our clients can go to market with to ultimately drive customers in their store, conversions to their website, and more business for them too. So just like Mark, with a little bit of a different focus as well across categories, have that obsession with how does data and how does research really play a part in those different customer journeys across all categories of business. Very nice. And our organizations have worked together for quite some time now, but more recently, we've been working together on email execution or email campaign execution more. And I I wanted to sort of start off with, uh, I know you guys work with a lot of retail clients and with everything going on with the COVID-19 situation, has what's been important to them in the way that they're going to market? Has it changed at all in the last couple of months that you've seen considering Uh, the COVID-19 situation? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It had to, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh. And the rate of change has been just sort of overwhelming. It's been a series of things that have been different from day to day. Uh, Customer decisions about what they want to do, how how they want to do it. And then even in the best of times where they have a really great idea, they might not have budget to to think about it. Mm. So from my perspective anyway, I guess it begins with sort of a budgeting idea. Our marketers have been uh, really challenged with the idea around how can they reorient their strategy that they've put together over the course of the year and then re-employ that in a mostly digital environment. And, and that would be the second piece. So if it's budget first, then it's how can we make digital really work? And so that's the change is perhaps they're thinking about their environment differently and maybe good differently this time because they're thinking about that engagement from a really tactical level using all the right levers to pull. So maybe that's from my perspective, the biggest change. It, it's, it's very interesting because it's, it's an interesting environment that we're in as you know, this is really the first time where I've found, you know, we as marketers, we as a media company, we're learning how to adjust at the same time our advertisers are. We don't necessarily have a, um, we're not ahead of the game in any regard as sometimes we are before, you know, where we have 
experience in certain things or in a grand opening or in a way to market your business with Objective X. This is so new to everyone, including us. It gives us an opportunity, but it's also a space where we are partnering with our clients to learn and adjust. And that is where things like digital marketing comes into play um, in such a big way because it is such an important mechanism, leveraging email, leveraging display, leveraging social. You can learn what's happening and how consumers are reacting to a message in such real time that in these uncharted territories, it's really a crucial way that we can help our advertisers break and our clients break through the clutter and really understand more. I think where I'm starting to see and getting a lot of questions around what to do next, how does it change your go-to-market strategy? One is something just as simple as the medium. You know, where clients are asking and wondering, where where's the best place for me to say a message? And I think Mark alluded to it earlier, but the brilliance of being able to match physical address with digital mechanisms allows some of those clients who may be really rooted in those um, physical delivery mechanisms and may not be certain or clear that that is the right mechanism and medium for them right now, allowing alternatives or ways to add or augment uh, a print strategy with email and with display helps to have those conversations um, in a much broader way. We're also seeing a lot of questions around um, the context. So what's being said, questions around how do I say it? And again, this is where digital media really comes into play. You can test subject lines. You, you can A-B test different types of creative. And it gives the option to really see what's being said and how your customers are reacting in real time. And I think the one of the last things I'm seeing is really this question and this change in terms of um, audience shift. So not always maybe their core audience who they've talked to in the past isn't the audience that they're talking to right now. Um, we're seeing that in even some things like the home improvement space. Um, people who may have targeted um, designers and contractors in the past may be targeting now people who are um, into the, the do-it-yourself marketplace too. So we're also having right. to have conversations around shifting audiences because with everyone at home, um, it's a much different type of consumer perhaps than they're used to. Yeah, those are all really good points. And I hope people listening to this episode are taking notes because they're, those are key. <laughs> and Jeff, I think you were going to jump in with a, a question for Mark and Bob here. Yeah, as we were talking about this, um, and for Mark, Bob, either both, how do you strike the balance of knowing the right amount of, of touches or the right number of campaigns to reach an audience? Well, I'll go ahead and take a stab at that first. Uh, so here's the best way, you know, the ideal way is let's go ahead and test the proposition that extended touches, so ex better frequency really is connected to better response. Uh, we found that there is an upper limit and you can track that, check the curve, see where it flattens, and then you have a real answer. And so from my perspective, use data and you'll always be you'll always be good. Mm -hmm. And I would agree. And I think the, yeah, the, the, the big part that I, I would mention would be also having those clear KPIs up front. You know, we can only 
if we, if we don't know what we're optimizing toward or the action that we're hoping for as part of the campaign, um, we, we can't really do it justice. And we're going to continue, I think, to have to refine over and over again if the KPIs are unclear or if the client can't necessarily decide on um, a few versus many. So that's one thing I would say is also a factor in determining the, the right number of touch points is having really, really clear, but also really realistic ideas of what you want those key performance indicators to be. Yeah, I think um, you've been answering this off and on throughout the conversation. When you're thinking about an acquisition strategy versus an existing customer strategy, are those approaches different? Does it differ depending on that type of campaign you're running? So for for you guys, if you're um, you have a client that wants to run acquisition strategy, how would that look different from maybe a strategy uh, or a campaign to their existing customer base? Yeah, you're right. We have sort of been uh, talking about that for the most part as we move forward. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about acquisition strategy, there's really more than one kind of acquisition strategy because we have those customers who have data and some of those customers, some of our, our advertisers have really rich data. Mm-hmm. I think earlier, you know, Bob had introduced the example of, let's say a home improvement company. Well, they, they know a lot of very interesting pieces of information about their customer. But when you think about CPG, if you think about a grocery store, they know almost nothing about their customers. And so the acquisition strategy for each of those is quite different. So right. on the other hand, if we have rich data, then we can do some rich analysis and we can dig in deep, do the right kind of profiling, hit exactly who we need to be at the right time, right message, right creative, and consequently have ROI that makes everybody smile. But when we talk about those individuals, those organizations that don't have rich data, that acquisition strategy is quite different because you, by design, must have a more broader strategy that impacts the market in the way that makes as much sense knowing the data you have as possible. So here again, one of the things that can't be done is maybe engage a panel, maybe do some online research, maybe capture individuals from a loyalty program. And, you know, we talked earlier about some of the issues that may happen with people there where we may say they've made a mistake. Uh, One of the mistakes I have seen with respect to loyalty programs is that they'll think that that individual who signed up for the loyalty program is the end all be all and the representative of the entire database. And, We've, we've demonstrated definitively they're not. A loyalty customer is a number of things. You know, Among them, they're your most avid fan, clearly. And if you have the right kind of offer, they're going to be representative of people who are motivated by that offer. And they're not necessarily then those people to whom you want to execute because it's not necessarily true that the revenue that you want to generate is really contained within that loyalty group. So the couponing strategy has to really be about a disciplined approach to using the thing I've said so many times here, using data the right way. Mm-hmm. So if you're then talking about a transition to you've, you've captured that customer and you know who they are, how do you approach them? And so again, the questions are many. Do you want to upsell them? Do you want to simply maintain them? Do you want to convert them to a different kind of a customer? All of those speak to strategies, all of which then are rooted in the idea that you have a specific outcome and then when you have that specific outcome already outlined, you can apply the data that you need in order to accomplish that goal. So again, maybe a longer answer than we might want. And unfortunately, this is 
a challenge that we have with the sea level staff is that often if you can't get it in four bullet points, then you're you're done. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a perfect answer, actually. So, you know, we're talking about more people adopting a digital lifestyle, whether it's because they've been forced to or, you know, if they were moving in that direction anyways. But that means that the amount of emails and the amount of touches that we're getting on a daily basis have increased. And that means that brands have more competition out there to sort of sort through and cut through that clutter. Again, we've been talking about this our entire conversation, but is there an optimal process to follow to see higher or better campaign results when you compare to five years ago or even one year ago when the market might not have been as saturated with people vying for the attention of the same customer with a similar product or with a similar service offering? I think one of the best points that you can make or the places that you can examine is Look at your own data as a client and see how things have changed and how your own loyal current customers are interacting with your brand in maybe this new normal and this new way and use that as a starting point. You know, case in point, we as a news organization have looked at and examined even in the in the short, the very few months of this pandemic. We have very, very strong traffic coming to our digital platforms. But when people are working from home and and not going into the office, what we also start to see are just different patterns in consumption. So where we used to have this, you know, huge nine to five, you know, desktop curve of people, you know, accessing our content and across our news platforms throughout the day, um, case in point in Chicago with the Chicago Tribune, we saw a lot of the shift start to start to happen where people were over the course of the day starting to lean more toward accessing our news platforms toward the late afternoon. And that was because in a lot of markets, including Chicago, the kind of daily updates on what's happening related to coronavirus come out. So we saw in our own customers and in our own audiences how things are shifting. And I think for clients, that's a good first way to see too and examine and look at your own data, look at your website data for your email list if you have your own. Start with that and see how things have changed. Right. Good point. Well, thank you so much to both of you for joining the podcast today. Uh, If you want to keep up with Mark and Bob over at Conversion Alliance and Tribune Publishing, you can visit their websites, www.conversionalliance.com and www.tribpub.com. That's T-R-I-B-P-U-B.com. So Jeff, it's just you and I again. That was a great conversation with Mark and Bob of Conversion Alliance and Tribune Publishing. But I want to go back one more time with you to remind listeners of what your best practices for successful email execution are, especially now when digital has had to become the main focus to reach customers and prospects. Right. The the focal points are proper audience creation and targeting active management of campaigns, retargeting and remessaging, continuing that, that flow of information and reporting so that you know what's working and what's not working. I mean, of course, all that assumes that uh, there's also strong creative and that your message is, is aligned to your brand 
and consumers see a link between the email and the website. Um, but those are all kind of the, the mechanical things of the campaign. Um, what I'm talking about are the, I, I think, kind of the overarching keys to successful email too. Yeah, and we're talking the difference between a good campaign and a great campaign with the best practices that we're sharing. But what happens if a campaign just isn't working when on paper you've done everything quote unquote right? Is there a point or what is the point where you give up and move on or try something different or try a different audience or offer? What What's that point? Where, where would you suggest you go? Um as early as possible. And I think that that's, I, I think that's part and parcel of the idea of quick reporting. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons, as I, I said earlier, before uh, Mark and Bob joined us, that we really believe in doing that quick reporting on an incremental basis throughout the, uh, throughout the campaign. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you see something that's not working, I know the belief is we've done everything right, but if it's not working, then something must not be right. Right. And going back to the drawing board, you know, revisiting those practice or those principles of am I addressing the right audience? Do I have, you know, the, the right messaging? Am I reaching them the way they want to be reached? Did I optimize this for the for the platform that my consumers are digesting it via? You know, is it did I make sure that I had it optimized for desktop and mobile? You know, those kinds of things. I think really there's there's no shame in going back to square one and saying, okay, it didn't work. Um, we did that on a small scale. Mm-hmm. We, maybe we tried something new. Revisit the uh, the critical pieces and start fresh. Well, there you have it. Hopefully anyone who came into this episode skeptical about what we could teach you on how to be a better email marketer has, or just marketer in general, has now come away with some new tips and tricks. So thank you, Jeff, for joining me. Thank you, Monique. Great to be here. Awesome. So I also want to thank my guests, Mark King and Bob Smolik of Conversion Alliance and Tribune Publishing. It was great to have their perspective seeing as they're both marketers themselves. So, and of course, we can't end the episode without thanking those of you listening at home or on the go. If you've not already, please take a moment to subscribe to the Why Behind the Buy so you never miss an episode. Rate us five stars on your podcast app of choice and share with a friend or colleague so we can keep the conversation going. We'll see you next month for a brand new episode. Bye now.